Well, good morning, church. Man, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Praise Team, for leading us in worship. What a great way to start uh, this day together. Before we jump in, I want to pause and I want us as a church to take a moment to recognize and say thank you to a very special person, Shirley Monroe. And she's going to hate this. But this past week, hold your applause. Hold, 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 wait, 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 wait. See, they're jumping the gun again. Uh, this past week, we celebrated Shirley's 15-year anniversary at Riverside, and that is no small thing. And just to dispel any rumors, she is not retiring. She has 15 more years to go. Uh, but if you, do, if you know Shirley, you know how much she does for this church. If you don't know her, let me tell you, she does everything for this church. She basically runs the place. She does so much that so many of you never see, never know, but her faithful and quiet and humble service to this church, it just cannot go without us taking a moment to say thank you to her. So now, if you would, let's please show Shirley our... Our gratefulness. There you go. <laughs> thank you, guys, and thank you, Shirley. We love you. We appreciate you so much and all you do. Uh, this past week, or I guess last week, we started a, a series called Never Gonna Let Me Down. And if you weren't here, I'll catch you up just real quick. For the next few weeks, what we want to do as a faith family here at Riverside is just push pause, especially as we head into summer in what is a a very busy time for so many of us. And just remember that we serve a God who is incredibly faithful. And I was reminded last week after we got done just talking to a lot of you uh, out in the lobby and then talking throughout the week, that, that this is something we have to just remember from time to time. Because some of you, some of you, you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of the struggle, and life is difficult. Things are not going well at home. Things aren't going well with your health, with your finances, with your work, with your family, with whatever. Things are difficult, and sometimes it's good for us to push pause and to remind ourselves and to remind each other that God, God is really good. God, God is really near. And your God, your God is really faithful, and he will never let you down. So today I want to talk about it again, but maybe from a different angle. I want to start with this. Uh, this though, how, how many of you like to play in the mud? Anybody like? Today's a good day. It's been raining outside. Yeah, you can be honest in here. It's good. Uh, some of us like to play in the mud. Did you ever watch the show? I don't know if it's still on TV. This show called Dirty Jobs. It's a show where this guy, Micro, would go on location to a different, a different job site. And these were jobs that, that real people do every day. And they're the kind of jobs that really... They keep our communities going, keep, you know, the town running, keep the lights on, keep, you know, everything going the way it should. But they're the kind of jobs that when you do these jobs, you physically get really, really dirty. And for, you know, the entire episode, you would just be entertained, you know, watching Micro get dirty one more time doing some job that maybe you didn't even know existed. But he's just getting filthy in the middle of it. And you're like, whoa, I didn't even know that was a thing. People get paid to do that? Yes, people have to get paid to do that because you get so dirty doing it. This past week, we had a dirty job at, at our house. This is the first house we've ever owned that has a swimming pool, which we love. But for some time, we thought that you know, maybe there's a leak because we're losing some water. And we kept losing more and more water. So finally... I called the professionals to come out to our house and to do their thing and to try to figure out, you know, is there, is there a leak somewhere? And sure enough, they did a pressure test on the pipes and we could hear it, you know, immediately. Yes, there's a leak. The good news was is we, we thought it was under, you know, a, a part of the, the ground that wasn't covered in concrete, you know, under the dirt there. And, and so he's telling me, this guy is super nice, he's telling me, what, what I need you to do is, you know, call our office and they're going to schedule a time 
for us to come back out because we don't have time today. And we'll dig the hole, we'll find the pipe, we'll fix it, we'll repair it, we'll, you know, put it all back like it was. It's going to cost you a lot of money. And I'm like, great. He tells me all this. And finally, I'm like, I'm like, do, do you think this is some, something that, that, like, that I could do? He's like, absolutely. I mean, if you can dig the hole, you, there's probably like one pipe here and you'll see the leak and just cut it out and replace it and put it back. And yeah. And if you get stuck, you know, call us and we'll, you know, we'll come help you. But yeah, you, you can do this. So I'm like, absolutely. You know, if you know me, you know, if, if I can save some money, I'm going to save some money. And so I go back to work. I finish the day. I call Alicia on the way home. And I'm like, hey, this is what the pool guy said, but I think, I think I can do this. I mean, I can, I can dig a hole, you know, I could PVC pipe. That's cheap at Home Depot. Come on. I got this. You know, I, we've got YouTube on our side. And so um, I come home, I change clothes, uh, you know, I get my shovels out, and I start, and I dig, and I dig, and I dig, and man, I keep digging. And it's like, I don't know if you remember on, what was this, Wednesday? It was like 95 degrees, and it's like, man, burning up, and, and the, the, the dirt is, is wet. This Texas mud is just wet from the pool leak, and I'm, I got like a five-foot trench dug out two or three or four feet deep now, and at some point, you can only break up the the dirt, but you can't shovel it out because the pipes, you don't want to break them anymore. So I'm down there laying on the ground, like scooping this dirt out. I'm covered, literally covered in mud. I finally walk in at the end and I'm, and I'm a little discouraged because there's not a pipe. There's pipes. I'm like, oh boy. There's like five or six and they're all like stacked together. I don't have a clue which one has got the leak. And I'm getting really discouraged. And I walk inside and you know what my girls say? Dad, why are you so dirty. Yeah. I'm like, come here, give me a hug. And they run screaming. You can't hide the mud. And I think this is our problem for a lot of us because sin is kind of like mud and we've all got mud. But what a lot of us try to do, at least if you're anything like me, is we spend a whole lot of our time trying to, to cover up the mud. We try to cover it up so no one can see it. We try to pretend like it's not there. I love the way uh, Brennan Manning says this, and he's got a great book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's a classic now, and he, he says this. He says, the temptation of the age is to look good without being good. He goes on to say, we don't like the sight of ourselves as we really are. So we try cosmetics and makeup, the right light, proper accessories to develop an acceptable image of ourselves, rely on the stylish disguise that has made us look good, or at least look away from our true self. He's not talking about real makeup and real accessories here. He's talking about the way we try to distract people away from our true self. I don't know if you've thought much about your true self and how much time you how much time you spend trying to point people to another image of yourself that you like better. But this is what we've done. We've done this in our culture, but we've also done this in our churches, haven't we? We've created churches, we've created spaces and places where we come together where we're fine and everything's fine, and we don't want anyone to see the mud. We don't want anyone to know that we're dirty, and so we we try to cover it up. We try to pretty ourselves up. And we pretend. We pretend like we've got it all together when beneath the surface, if we were to be honest about our true self, we know it's not. We know there's mud. We know it's caked under our fingernails. We know it's all over us. And we know that we really can't hide it, but we're doing our best to hide it because if you knew about me what I knew about me, you may not accept me. You may not love me. You may not forgive me. 
You may not welcome me if you knew about me what I knew about me. And so we pretend. But what's amazing, especially for those of us, if you know the stories about Jesus, is that the, the people that Jesus had the most, you know, disagreements with, the ones that he really went head to head with, the ones that he had cross words with, it was the pretenders. It, it was those people who, who, who said they knew God and said they had it all together, but it couldn't have been further from the truth. They, 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 they had put on this exterior facade about them that made it look one way, but their true self, the reality is, was something that was very different. The ones that he loved, the people that he accepted and welcomed, the ones that, that, that he went to their parties and he ate at their tables. They were the ones who were dirty and they knew they were dirty. And everybody else knew they were dirty. Those were the people that Jesus loved. Those were the ones that he loved to spend time with and loved to be with and loved to eat with. He even called some of them the worst of the worst, the dirtiest of the bunch, to actually be some of his closest disciples. That's what Jesus did. It wasn't the pretenders. And don't get me wrong, he loved them too. It was those people that, that knew they were dirty that Jesus seemed to love to spend time with. But we've created spaces and places in our lives, in our world, in our churches, where we just would rather pretend that that is not the case. And when someone walks into the room and they're dirty and they know it and we all know it, and they're, they're not ashamed of it, it makes us really uncomfortable, doesn't it? Because we're not comfortable with our own dirt. It makes us really uncomfortable when someone else is, and they put it all out there for the world to see. We get real uncomfortable real quick. And this is a big problem, and here's why. Brennan Manning, again, again he says it so well. He says, at Sunday worship, as in every dimension of our existence, many of us pretend to believe we are sinners. So we, we gather together like we do today and we talk about the idea that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, right? Well, that's what we do. And so we gather and we pretend to believe we are sinners. Consequently, all we can do is pretend to believe that we have been forgiven. As a result, our whole spiritual life is pseudo-repentance and pseudo-bliss. Wow. If we're not honest about our true self, then all we have is pseudo-repentance We've asked God to pretend to forgive our pretend sin because we're not really willing to be honest about what is going on with our true self. We're not willing to say we've all got mud. We're all dirty. We can't own it. We can't talk about it. Consequently, God really can't forgive If you were here last week, we, we, we looked at the letter to the Hebrews. It's in your New Testament. If you want to open up and turn there or open up your Bible app and turn that on, you can, you can open up that up to Hebrews. We're going to look at chapter 9 here in a minute. Hebrews was written, or originally it was preached, to a group of Jewish Christians who were living in a time where it was really difficult to believe in Jesus. In fact, they were facing, we believe, persecution and hardship for their faith. It would have been easier for them, life would have been better, if they had renounced their faith in Jesus and just gone back to the way things used to be. But they wouldn't do that. And so what the Hebrew writer wants to do over and over again throughout this letter, throughout this, this sermon, if you will, is to remind them that they serve a God who's faithful. 
A God who will never, ever let them down. And he does that again. One of the main themes of Hebrews, if you read the thing from start to finish, you'll see it over and over again, is he wants to remind or she wants to remind them that God is faithful. God is faithful to forgive. And I want us to look at at what he says or what she says, the Hebrew writer in chapter 9. And then I want to ask one question at the end that I hope will bring all this together for you. But in Hebrews 9, starting in verse 13, it says this. Under the old system, this is the old covenant, the the Old Testament, if you will, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer could could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from the sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. This is the way it used to work in the old days, before Jesus. The, The Israelites... They had to offer literal animal sacrifices so that they could receive some sort of ceremonial purity so that they could then go to worship. And animals were offered every day, and especially once a year on the Day of Atonement, so that they could be cleansed and free to go worship God. This is how it used to work under the old law. But, but that, those animal sacrifices, they, they never really did what the people wanted them to do. They couldn't really forgive them of their sin. If they could, they they wouldn't have had to offer them over and over and over again, but they had to. Every time they became impure, every time they sinned, they had to go back. Another animal had to die. Blood had to be spilt so that they could be cleansed, so that they could then go worship. And really, instead of reminding them of the forgiveness of God, what it reminded them of over and over and over again was just how sinful they were. What it did was it reminded them of their separateness from God. And so the writer of Hebrews says, how much more, knowing all of that, knowing the way it used to be, how much more does the blood of Jesus, when Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, was sacrificed on the altar, the cross, how much more will his blood purify us, not just our bodies, not just what's on the outside, but purify our hearts, purify our consciences, purify us on the inside from everything that would make us impure. How much more does the blood of Jesus do that so that, one of the reasons for that, so that you can truly worship the living God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. You and I can come before God and we can worship the living God because He, He has done what no animal sacrifice could ever do. He's cleansed us so that we can worship the living God. For by the power, by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all, all who, all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died, underline this, Christ died, to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But because of what Jesus has done, we are set free from the penalty of sin. Because sin has a penalty. Sin has a price tag. Sin costs something. We can try to pretend that it doesn't, but if you're anything like me, you've experienced this. Sin has a price tag. Sin has a penalty. And what you come to realize the older you get is that your sin is never just about you. And your sin has more consequences than you could ever imagine. 
the lie that we try to believe and that we're told and that we trick ourselves into and we rationalize what we've done, the thing that, that stands out there is we, we just keep thinking, no one, this doesn't hurt anyone but me. No one else will have to pay for this except for me. This only hurts me, and, and, and I can fix this, and I can make this right, but no one else even needs to know because it only affects me. But your sin is never just about you. And you'll never even understand or begin to know all the consequences of your sin because it goes far beyond you. And this is why. Because sin always has a penalty. Sin always has a price tag. Whenever you sin, something has to die. Sin always leads to death. In a a weird kind of way, this was the beauty of the way it used to be in the sacrificial system because you were reminded that every time you sinned, something had to die. Every time you sinned, another animal's blood had to be spilled. Every time you sinned, there had to be another sacrifice. You were reminded that whenever you sinned, something had to die. But even if you're not a believer in Jesus or a believer in God, you've probably experienced this. Because sin always leads to death. If you sin at your job, in your work, it's probably going to lead to the loss of that job, the death of that employment. If you sin in your marriage, that can lead to the end of your marriage, the death of that marriage. If you sin in friendship, in relationship, and you hurt someone, that can lead to the, the end of that relationship, the end of that friendship, the death of that relationship. Sin has a penalty. Sin has a price tag. Sin always leads to death. Sin Sin kills. Sin kills. It kills relationships. It kills integrity. It kills security. It kills your time. It kills your finances. It kills opportunity. Sin destroys. It utterly destroys. Sin kills. And whenever you sin, something has to die. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews went on to say in verse 22... That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without sacrifice, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So Christ did, Jesus did, what no animal sacrifice could ever do. Christ did what you couldn't even do for yourself. Christ died. Because sin kills, because something has to die when you sin, Christ died. Jesus paid that price. Jesus paid that penalty. Sin kills. And sin killed Jesus. Verse 24. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven, He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But get this, now, once, for all time, Jesus, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Jesus came. He appeared and he came, and this is one of the reasons he came. He came to remove our sin. 
He came to remove our sin. And this is where you and I have a decision to make. And, and to be honest, we've talked about this before, but I think this is where the problem lies. Because we have to decide if in our lives, if we've asked Jesus to forgive our sin or if we've just asked him to manage it. We have to decide if we really need Jesus to forgive our sin or if we're just coming to him over and over again for him to manage our sin problem. Because again, if you're anything like me, what you've done over and over again is you keep coming back to God, to Jesus, over and over again, making the same promises that fall through over and over again. And you keep thinking, I can do better. I, what, what you think is, I can fix this. I can fix this. And if you'll just forgive me this time, God, I can fix this. I can do better. I can work harder. Maybe if I just pray more. Maybe if I just read my Bible some more. Maybe if I just come to church a little more. Maybe if I volunteer for that or if I go on that trip or whatever. Maybe if I just give a little more. God, I can do better. And what you're saying over and over again is I can fix this. I can fix it on my own. And the problem is, is we haven't really come to grips with our own situation. We haven't really come to to grips with the fact that we are so dirty and we cannot get ourselves out of this pit. We can't fix it. But we think, if I just just roll up my sleeves, I can fix this all on my own. This past week when I was writing this down, I stopped and I picked up the phone immediately and I called the pool people. (laughs) Because I realized, I can't fix this on my own. (laughs) And I called them and I said, hey, I dug a hole. I made a mess. Will you come fix it? (laughs) I can't do this. I thought I could. I was an idiot. Can you come? Yeah, we'll get you on the schedule. Thank you. (laughs) Some of us. Some of us need to stop what we're doing and make the call. Because for a long time in your life, what you've been trying to do over and over again is fix it all by yourself. And you've dug a really big hole. And you've made a really big mess. And by the way, you're really dirty. But you can't fix this. You cannot fix this. But there is someone who can. And he wants to. And it's Jesus. But you have to be honest about the dirt you got to be honest about the, the hole you dug and the mess you made. you got to be honest about the fact that you literally can't do this on your own. You've got to get really, really honest about your sin. You see, what I think you and I have done is we've, we've decided to take our sin so lightly. We don't give our sin near the weight it deserves. We hear the words that our sin put Jesus on the cross, but we're thinking we haven't really done anything that bad. But all sin separates us from God. And all sin kills. And all sin has killed Jesus. Verse 27, the Hebrew writer said this, Just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ also was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again, not to deal with our sins. He's already done that. 
He's coming again to bring salvation to all who eagerly await for him. So this really is the question then. Do you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life or do you want him to be the manager of your life? I'll tell you one thing. He's only applying for one job. He wants to be the Lord of your life. The question is, do you want him to be the Lord of your life? I think the problem is, is we just think that if people knew what we did, that they wouldn't forgive us. And if they won't forgive us, then God won't forgive us either. But that's not what God is like. I love the story of the time when, again, the pretenders, the religious leaders, brought this woman before Jesus that they they caught in the act of adultery. And they brought her before Jesus and they threw her down in front of him and a crowd gathered around and all they wanted was for Jesus to judge this woman. But he didn't. He looked on her. He had compassion for her. And you know what he did? I mean, she was dirty. She was dirty. And she knew it. Everybody else that was there, they were dirty too. They just didn't know it. Not right away at least. Jesus looked on her and he loved her. And he forgave her. You know what he didn't do? He didn't ask her for an apology. He didn't ask her to try harder next time. He didn't ask her to read her Bible, to pray. He didn't tell her that, that, that she should do things differently and from now on she, she had to get her act together. He didn't give her a speech. He just forgave her. There's a scandal. He just forgave her. No strings attached. I love the story Jesus once told. There was a son. You know the story? Some of you do. He took all of his father's money and he, he went away to a foreign land lived life his way. It was fantastic. He had lots of parties, lots of friends. He was doing life his way until the money ran out. When the money ran out, the friends ran out. Before long, he found himself dirt poor. Feeding pigs, literally dirty. It got so bad, he thought, man, I'm out of options. I'm I'm going to just go back to my dad and ask for maybe a job on the farm and you know, at least that way, I don't have to eat pig slop anymore. He's got the whole speech worked out in his head. and I love what Jesus said. He said while he was a long way off, his father saw him. His father saw him and was moved with pity. And he ran to the boy and he clasped him in his arms and he kissed him tenderly. The boy never got to give that speech. And the father never asked for an apology. The father didn't give a speech. He didn't tell him he had to do better next time. And he had no guarantee the son wouldn't run off again. He just forgave him. He threw a party for him. No strings attached. Some people have this picture of God as some kind of vengeful God that's waiting to punish us, but that is not the picture of God that Jesus reveals to us. Over and over again, Jesus shows us and tells us what God is like, and and this is what he shows us, that our God, our God is faithful to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. Because of what Jesus does on the cross, he is faithful to forgive us over and over again, no matter how dirty we are, no strings attached. 
So here's the question. Here's the question I've been wrestling with all week. If you're, if you're the, the person writing this letter to the Hebrews, if you're the person who gave this sermon originally, and you know that these believers in Jesus are up under it, they are suffering for their faith. Their faith. They're being put in jail. They're having their possessions taken away. They're being beaten for believing in Jesus. Why in the world are you talking so long about forgiveness of sin? I mean, I think if it was me, if it was you, we'd probably write, you know, be writing you know, encouragement and affirmation and stories about hang on, hold on to your faith, don't give up a little while longer. But over and over again throughout this entire letter, what does the writer do? Over and over again, he reminds them, your father is faithful to forgive. Your father is faithful to forgive. God is faithful to forgive. Through Jesus on the cross, God is going to forgive you of your sin. Why? Here's why. This, this is why I think. Because when you're forgiven... When you're forgiven, you are free. You're free. When you're forgiven, you're free. When you're forgiven, you you don't have any secrets to hide because you don't have any secrets. When you're forgiven, you're not worried about being honest about something because you've got nothing to hide. When you're free, you're not even afraid of death because you know this world is not your home. You're a pilgrim on a journey. You're, you know, you've got another destination. You're moving on to a new heaven and a new earth, to a new kingdom. When you're forgiven, you're free. You're not, even, you're not even worried. You're not even afraid of judgment. Jesus even said, and I don't know if you've heard these words lately, but in John 5, 24, Jesus said these words, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and get this, will not be judged, but has crossed over already from death to life. When you're forgiven, you're free, and you're not even worried about judgment because there is no judgment for you because you are forgiven. There's nothing to judge, people. That's what happens when you're forgiven. When you're forgiven, you're free. The question is, are you free? Because if you're not free, if you don't feel free today, chances are you may not be forgiven. Maybe like me, you pretended to be a sinner, and so you pretended to get forgiveness. But God wants to push all that to the side and say, come here. Let me see the dirt. And I want you to hear the words. You are forgiven. Through Jesus, you and I. Are loved and we are forgiven and we are free. Church if you would let's let's stand together. So the truth is is that we've all got mud. We're all covered in dirt. But Jesus, here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is ready to wash that dirt away. And we say this from time to time, and I'll say it again today. If you've never had that dirt washed away, we would love for you today to have your sins washed away. And we believe that it happens in this beautiful thing called baptism that God has given to us, where we step into these waters behind us, behind me. And we're in that moment. God does what only God can do. He washes away our sin as we confess our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that because it's a beautiful thing to see the dirt washed away by the hand 
and the mercy and the grace of God. And then it's a beautiful thing. If you need to do that, you can do that today. But if you've done that and you're thinking, man, I still feel dirty, then I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to step in to this forgiven life because all of us are dirty. And I'll tell you, one of my dreams for this church is for this to be a place where we can just be honest about the dirt and it not be a deal because we realize we're all dirty. But we have a Father who is faithful to forgive and we are a community of people who who believe more in the grace of God than we do in our own ability to dig ourselves out of the pit. The good news is that if you're in the pit and you know it today, if you've dug that hole in the ground and you're covered in mud, the good news is that's a really good place to be because Jesus loves people like that. Jesus loves dirty people. Just admit you're dirty and let him say, I love you and I forgive you because that's what Jesus does. Let me close with this blessing and then we'll sing today. I want to ask our shepherds if they would make their way around the room and their wives. Before I read this blessing, you need to know that these men and women would love to pray with you today. If you want someone to usher you into the presence of God and on your behalf and ask God to clean away the dirt and make you new again, they would love to pray with you. If you want to have your sins washed away in baptism, let one of them know and we'll make that happen today. Here's the words, the blessing of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen.